Hey, I'm Ryan Reynolds. Recently, I asked Mint Mobile's legal team if big wireless companies are allowed to raise prices due to inflation. They said yes. And then when I asked if raising prices technically violates those onerous two-year contracts, they said, what the f*** are you talking about, you insane Hollywood ass. So to recap, we're cutting the price of Mint Unlimited from $30 a month to just $15 a month. Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month. Slows full terms at mintmobile.com. When it comes to your finances, you think you've done it all. You've saved, you've researched, and you've invested all that you can. Now it's time to take those investments to the next level by using the brand behind every great investor, Yahoo Finance. As America's number one finance destination, Yahoo Finance has everything you need, whether you're a seasoned trader or just dipping your toes into the market. Join the millions of investors who trust Yahoo Finance to guide them on their financial journey. For comprehensive financial news and analysis, visit yahoofinance.com, the number one financial destination, yahoofinance.com. Welcome to All Rather Mysterious, the podcast that aims to unlock the mysteries of the past with the key of fact. My name is John Rain. My name is Eleanor Morton. My name is David Reed. Please join us as we present to you mysteries that have baffled the world. You had any noises? What about um, a door creaking? Uh, you, don't, uh, you don't have to do it. That weird kadook that yeah, lights going off makes for some reason in films. <laughs> All Rather Mysterious. The following podcast is a member of the Great Big Owl family. I'm John Ho 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 Holmes and welcome back. This is part two of the The One Show Show Christmas Special 2020, despite there being nothing really special about it, apart from the fact that we're laying into The One Show's Christmas offerings. God rest ye merry gentlemen may have nothing to dismay, but we've shitloads of dismay, all spawned by watching a certain early evening flagship magazine show on BBC One. If you haven't listened to part one yet, why not go back and do that now so that the forthcoming episode makes sense? Jumping straight back in as we are with Mark Haynes and Emma Kennedy. The handbrake turn. No, the handbrake turn I was talking about though came on yes. Thursday's episode when um, Ronan Keating had to deliver uh, a piece to camera on a wide shot, but then turn to a medium close-up on a different camera. Um, oh, something nice. which let's say yeah. he's not practiced at. Um, uh, you know, he's not a natural <laughs> television presenter, and the idea of switching cameras did not come because he sort of made a um and shifted about while it happened, and then it sort of cut. But he had to go from talking about a bit of love. Act- we were talking about to Richard Curtis about love actually. And talking about these people who are watching the things they want to watch at Christmas, and he just went, Oh, I love it, it's brilliant. And then he turned and just went, The family in tonight's one big <laughs> Christmas house have had it harder than most. Here's a film about a child with a congenital heart defect. <laughs> <laughs> I never dreamed that would happen. Brilliant. I love it. If you've got any questions for any of our guests or comments on the show, then get in touch in all the usual ways. Uh, So many people have had a tough year this year, but the family in tonight's one big Christmas have had it harder than most. 
This was uh, this little video itself. What it would have been is easily explained if you sort of went. So it's basically Jim will fix it, but without the problems. Okay. Yeah. What they did was they gave a Christmas surprise to a a, a young girl who's had a, a heart operation postponed because of COVID. She's been shielding since March, but she's got the operation coming yeah. up in January. So they wanted to give her a really, really special Christmas surprise, which entirely admirable. They also seem to want to bring it in for under 50 quid. <laughs> which, uh, they very much managed. So one of my favourite lines that, again, I just can't get a handle on it. It's sort of... So it's so brass eye the whole thing. But Beverly Knight is about to call Aubrey's family to entice them outside. <laughs> Singing sensation and for tonight, fairy godmother Beverly Knight is about to call Aubrey's family to entice them outside. Hello. Hello, everyone. I mean, has there been anything Beverly Knight has not been in? Is she is she immune to COVID or something? Yeah. Well, yeah. what was funny is they could only obviously stretch the budget for her to agree to wear the costume, but she wouldn't be there in person. Oh, oh she no, would no, only no, be no, there no, on Mark, Zoom. Mark, no, 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 Mark. She she's brought that costume from the Palladium Panto. That Got they you. haven't even had to pay for that. Yeah, you're right. So I'm sure they said to Beverly, the problem, you know, the problem is we'd love to give you a fee, but um, I mean, it's just it's for a little girl with a with a heart complaint. So Beverly yes. Knight will have done that free. They then got the 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 fairy princess carriage, which I think was bought in a like a Katie Price bankruptcy. <laughs> I think sale. I, th- I think she actually got married in that. I have seen that carriage. It, it was either that so many times, or it was it was the program about my big fat gypsy wedding. Yeah definitely those oh, yes. either way i don't i don't think that will have broken the bank they no. seem to save a little bit of money as well by having it actually being pulled by the local undertakers <laughs> there, were, there was people wearing frock coats and big top hats can you, can you imagine of being the parents of that child and go and coming out and seeing oh, that and, and then going hang on a minute are they undertakers are you undertaking no well, i know <laughs> <laughs> if, I mean, who else does carriages? It's exactly what you do for a funeral, except it's for fun. So it would make sense for them to be undertakers. It just seemed like, you know, you turn up at people's houses with an unusual vehicle and then you take them somewhere. I mean, unusually the- for them, they had to then drop her back. It's sort but- of like if, if Make-A-Wish Foundation sent hearses to pick up children <laughs> isn't it <laughs> did i did i miss the child with a heart defect actually being given a physical present yeah or did she not get one i don't think they did no there, I don't no, there think was she actually did. one i think in they got the ride they got they got they got the ride in the in the carriage arranged mm. by the undertakers <laughs> and they got the the fireworks at the at the very cold castle. They did, yeah. Hello, hello, yes. Mrs. Claus and the elves decided that, well, as a family, you deserved a little extra early present. So somewhere under those trees, we've hidden some presents. Yes. Did she actually get a present? Did Santa Claus say, "Go and have a look in a tree, and there you might find some presents there"? And did it just cut out after that bit, and then you, you miss the bit where Santa goes, <laughs> "Yeah, imagine? it's pine cones." Here, yeah, small children, you have to climb up into a tree in order to <laughs> try night. and to try and find some <laughs> presents. Sorry, just one last thing, John. 
I know that bit where they were filming that as well, only because I'd watched the BBC series Murder 24. And what had happened in that very part where they were filming had been the the murder of a homeless guy by a county lines drug dealer. So when it came on, I was like, oh, the BBC are back. (laughs) There they are. And what have they decided to do this time? The place they've established in my memory as the scene of a cold and ruthless murder. They're now bringing a a quite unwell child to meet Father Christmas. (laughs) What What a year that little bit of ground has had. Hello, it's John Holmes here from Out of Off of the The One Show Show podcast. Just popping up to apologise, really, for the sound quality you're about to hear. Something went wrong, technically, with our recording of this edition, and as a result, I, in a moment, sound a little bit like an auto-tuned Cher singing that I Believe song, only not as good and uh, with more clothes on. But... I don't want it to spoil your enjoyment, although it will, but only for six or seven minutes. So with apologies, it, it does pick up again, it does get better. So with apologies for being inept and we're not able to fix it, I'm afraid. Please do enjoy and continue with The The One Show Show. Can we talk about Far Christmas during the Zoom Revolution? Um, this is a film uh, where Far Christmas who's got can't open, of course, due to the COVID. And so he's been in training. Hello, this is Mark off of the V1 Show Show podcast. It's worth saying John's apology is all very well and good. But the reality is that bit that you just heard is almost indecipherable. So I'm going to step in really quickly just to tell you that John is referencing a video they showed where Santa Claus was doing a Zoom call to another family. And what was most apparent is that Santa was doing his Zoom call from a sort of weird sports centre that had some sort of like gym lockers behind him. I've cut out a lot of very funny material from this bit, but I want to keep John's awful, terrible, squeaky, robotic voice to a minimum. <laughs> and also the bit that went wrong, etc., etc., etc. Enjoy! Some- Oh, it's like a magic elf portal. Families across the UK have been video calling Santa. And we sat in on one of his first calls with a Crooks family. Again, those lines that only, you know, after the after the fact that in 24 hours, you know, they aged like milk. And there was a little bit where Santa said, people are asking me, are you going to cancel Christmas? Cancel Christmas, my left foot. This year's been different in so many ways for everybody, hasn't it? People asking, are you going to cancel Christmas and so forth? And uh, as we say, cancel Christmas, my left foot. (laughs) Right, Santa, hand over your left foot. It's been cancelled. You're a liar. You've lied on television. I love the fact that, as well, the the this this was not the real Santa. As if children listen to this podcast. <laughs> that was that was not the real Santa. That was a man doing uh, Santa's work, etc., etc. And uh, what what I really liked is he he couldn't take away his own elderly man topics of conversation so as soon as the zoom started he was like oh this is a very good quality line (laughs) (laughs) hello wow good heavens it's a very good line isn't it and then at the end he was like how do i get out i i I don't know how to leave bye-bye merry christmas bye-bye santa how do i get out i don't quite know how to leave 
hey, it's the chimney, you twat. <laughs> get, get up that chimney or I want my money back. But I love the old man chat, which I know it was just an old man, but I found it really convincing. I really, really enjoyed that. At the beginning of that film, Santa, Santa took a taxi to the closed down gym from where he was doing his <laughs> How much do I owe you, young man? No charge for you, Santa. <laughs> Are you sure this is the place, mate? Yes. Yeah. <laughs> While we're on the subject of, of a traditional Christmas, let's talk about Welsh Bethlehem. In a year filled with uncertainties, there's one constant you can rely on. Christmas in Bethlehem. Bethlehem, Carmarthenshire, that is. This is the small rural village on the edge of the Brecon Beacons, just up the road from where I'm from, actually. Now, on any normal year, thousands of people would be flocking here in the run-up to Christmas. Well, my, my first impressions on him was, and I might be completely wrong about this, but he very much gave me the impression that he absolutely loathes children <laughs> and... And it was sort of like watching the child catcher being forced, being forced to, to do something entertaining with children because he's been told to do so by a court. <laughs> so now we've got the venue. We've got our Mary and Joseph and the rest of the cast. And who are you playing? Uh, wise Man One. Wise Man One. It's famous, of course, because people like to get the, the postmark marked Bethlehem. And as they said, I mean, they receive up to 2,000 letters a year. <laughs> they want that. But they did mention they used to have a post office, but it shut because it wasn't used enough. So, Rose, why doesn't Bethlehem have an actual post office? The post office in Bethlehem has closed down. They had a weird sort of like skew on this film, which was one was A, the Bethlehem postmark thing is good. B, the closure of local post offices. And then this sort of shunted on bit where they go and we're also going to host a nativity in a barn. Just a perfect sort of mixture of going none of these things by themselves are enough to justify a piece. All three of them together are still not enough, really, to justify this piece. I I felt very confused again by the directorial decision to to put the presenter, who clearly has no experience with farm animals... Or presenting. um, Mm. Or presenting, (laughs) into a a shit-filled pen in his very smart shoes, uh, trying to wrangle a sheep out while also... I mean, all I was doing was was going, don't tread in that shit, don't tread in that shit. (laughs) I wasn't feeling a single Christmassy thing. No. Other than watching him trying to avoid putting his fist up a sheep's anus. Luckily, Rose, our postal stamper, also owns a barn and some festive animals we can use. Maybe I'll take the sheep if that's all right. Okay. What's the sheep's name, Rose? Bloodwen. Oh, she's really, really not a fan of me. Just walk and she'll follow you. Will she? Okay. There was a directorial agenda here, I think. So the shit sheep shoe was one, but also. In the edit, yes. they, mm. he was trying to manhandle this sheep from behind, right? The sheep was called Bloodwen. They kept telling us that, right? And, and at one point, he was going, uh, uh, trying to drag the sheep. And then he, then he shouted out, there we go, she's coming. Come on, darling. Oh, oh there we go. She's coming. Right? Now, that is a deliberate thing to leave in an edit. <laughs> he was talking about getting it out of the pen. 
But no, that's not what yeah, the director was doing, was. is it? That's going, no, you're making sex noises and now you're shouting <laughs> that the sheep's coming and we're putting that as the footage at seven o'clock it, on a family show. The, yeah. the whole thing about it is is the crew had to go down to this place in Carmarthenshire, which did look fucking bleak. <laughs> it didn't have any services. They'd lost the post office. It was not a warm-looking place at all. It, it is the type of place where when they show you a child making Christmas decorations, he is using a hot glue gun, <laughs> which is just amazing to see on television, with no one saying, don't do this. Yeah. Do not give children hot glue yeah. guns. And um, circular was- saws. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> we end up in this barn in the middle of the night uh, with the children, you know, doing. I, I mean, <laughs> you know, I, I don't want to see my children's nativity play, let alone some, you know, rural Welsh community. The highlights of a load of children in a barn at night, you know, doing a socially distanced nativity. There, play. Th- although it's... there was one good bit where at the end there was this uh, the small child who seemed to be beating Jesus with a stick. <laughs> Did you see that bit? Probably at the only end? because only because he couldn't reach the weatherman. Yeah, <laughs> it's. I believe in Carmarthenshire. They are not a Christian folk. No. They are very much. They are very. They they worship. It's difficult to explain what it is, but it's a cross between a mist and a screaming woman. <laughs> <laughs> oh, they Planning for your next trip. Elevate your travel style with Quince. Quince has all the jet-setting essentials you'll want for your next getaway, like European linen, premium luggage options, buttery soft Italian leather bags, and so much more. And it's all priced at 50 to 80% less than similar brands. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe and ethical manufacturing practices. Pack your bags with high-quality essentials you'll be wearing for vacations to come with Quince. Go to quince.com slash trip for free shipping and 365-day returns. I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me, because you didn't use LinkedIn Jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job, but might be open to the perfect role, like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates, like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash achieve today. Why don't more infant formula companies use organic, grass-fed whole milk instead of skim? Why don't more infant formula companies use the latest breast milk science? Why don't more infant formula companies run their own clinical trials? Why don't more infant formula companies use more of the proteins found in breast milk? Why don't more infant formula companies have their own factories instead of outsourcing their manufacturing? We wondered the same thing. So we made Byheart a better formula for formula. Learn more at byheart.com. Hi, I'm Keza McDonald. And I'm Ellie Gibson. And this is our new show, Extra Life. It's basically us talking to funny people about video games. When I was a kid, it was Grand Theft Auto. There's Sinclair ZX Spectrum. We talk about the games people remember from when they were kids and what they're playing now. Guitar Hero. The Last of Us 2. Combat on the Atari 2600. No, I love Pokemon. Anyway, find us anywhere you get your podcasts. Extra Life.
There was a bit when the drumming weatherman shouted about Bloodwin the sheep. Um, just, I, just, I can't remember whether it was before or after it came, but he shouted, she's not a fan of me. And all I could think was, well, join the fucking club because <laughs> I never want to see this again. Worth saying as well, this was the, the Richard Curtis episode where they, um, they, they talked to him. He's done a lot on the one show over this last year. I think probably his heart sinks slightly when he sees on his phone the one show director or whoever it is ringing. And you're just a bit like, oh, God, I've got that thing to plug. But I, what, what they'll do is they'll stick me on that on that screen. They'll introduce me and then they'll put 15 minutes where I just have to sit there and I, I hover behind the thing. What it looks like quite often with Richard Curtis is it looks like he's peering through the window of a sort of magical animatronic doll's house. <laughs> and it's, it's like the, the whole set of the dolls. And it's just Richard yes. peering through one of the like windows. Like the Wizard of Oz. Looking at what's <laughs> yeah, 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 yeah. 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 He was there to advertise his Cinderella pantomime, which is a comic relief pantomime. He said, you know, we had the idea about five weeks ago. Oh, I'm not sure that's how, how telly works. I think it does take a bit more than that. But it is Richard Curtis. There's every chance that, you know, he can, he can pull those strings. They showed all these different bits which have been recorded on Zoom and put together. And that clip made me think, I'm not sure this is going to be that easy to watch. Yeah. When you see Zoom nowadays, you do, rather than go, that's an you know, interesting and modern thing, you just go, oh, it's like a text message, mm. isn't it? It'd be like people putting text messages on TV and mm. sort of going, hey, we're adapting. But what they had on this show is they tied it in with the fact they said Richard was the co-writer of the Bridget Jones films. And they had what was essentially like a DVD extra from the Bridget Jones films where a load of interviews were, were done for a different programme and they just played it out. Yeah. There, was, there was no sort of... They were talking about celebrating Bridget Jones, but there was no one in the studio who had anything to do with this. It was just essentially a repeat of a show yeah. that hasn't yeah, yet it gone was, out. Yeah, because at the moment, because of COVID, we used to get, in the good old days, and we used to get uh, various wildlife cameramen off filming pine martins that never turned up or, you know, f- ducks in Norfolk or something. But yes. all of those films have had to be dropped. So they are desperate for material, which is why the guests are on for much longer. Yes. Uh, now it seems, and films like that, which isn't even theirs, they're just playing it out as it was though it was. They're just going, no, that's we yeah. shot that. No, you didn't. Yeah. It's completely they, different. They, style. they talk the whole time saying we're celebrating Bridget Jones today. Yeah. We're doing this. There was absolutely nothing in the show about Bridget Jones. No, other there than the wasn't. Lines telling was there? you they were doing no. it. Or showing you that clip from from a, so, a, a BBC Two doco so, from next something Tuesday. Something that I, I also found very odd was when when they have the guests there on Zoom, was the length of time they leave them their image mm. up there and they're just having to sit there saying yeah. nothing with a rictus grin on. It's yeah. really the, the strangest one peculiar. was David Walliams who appeared on Friday on the Zoom and then five minutes later they went he's in the studio. Yeah, it's like what. Uh, you used Zoom when you didn't have yeah. to use what was Zoom. That, was it him, him saying, I am not going to come out of this dressing room until you are ready for <laughs> me because I'm not sitting in that studio? Because Williams is a bit like that, isn't he? So I reckon, but so the compromise was, all right, you'll just have to wave to the camera in the dressing room before we get you up mm. in 20 minutes. Because otherwise he's just be sitting there while Gary Barlow takes all the glory because it's Gary Barlow chat, right? And Walliams yeah. doesn't like that shit, does he? If it's not about Walliams. You can tell that because Walliams just kept interrupting everybody all the time with, with what he considered to be witticisms. There was one little bit where he made a, a, a remark about how he had kept his job on, a, a, as a judge on a talent show, unlike some people. I think he was referring to Gary Barlow yeah, Gary and Barlow. Keating. Yeah. Neither of them liked that at all. <laughs> oh, now all of you have done a bit of judging. 
Haven't you? Yes. Yes. Um, and you are back on Britain's Got Talent on yes. Christmas Day. I held Day. on to my judging job. You did. Yeah, I did. <laughs> you did. Yeah. You did. They got rid of Gary and I. Yes, yes. It was the bit at the end. When, when Alex was being hailed as the nation's hero for holding together a half-hour-long, lightweight magazine programme every uh, weekday evening throughout the entire pandemic, she said, oh, you know, and it's, uh, it's our last show before Christmas, and thank you so much for watching. And off-camera, you just heard Williams going, it's your final show completely, isn't it? It's your final show, this. Have, have they told you? Have they told you Carol Vorderman's taking over in January? Just, oh, yes. Always here, every night, 7pm, smiling through everything. Alex, you've been amazing. Thank oh, you from all of us. Final ever show, isn't oh. it? <laughs> <laughs> oh, they're not told you. Carol Vorderman's doing it from January. Oh. Just undermining yes. it all over here. That it's all about Williams, isn't it? That was strange. It's a funny thing when you go on to the one show and you sort of go, I'll, I'll go on, but I'll do it under my terms. It's like turning up to an under-12s disco and sort of like, you know, trying to be a macho man. It's a weird combination of things. You're on there. You might as well just do what they want. There was a, you don't need to try and make yourself look cool through the prison. There was another on the one Walliams, uh, telling Walliams bit when they were talking about a charity that the one show had been involved with or something. And they turned to him and they just said, oh, and, um, and David uh, gave them um, 100. And I thought they were going to say £1,000 to help these children. <laughs> and that sentence finished books <laughs> to some kids. Now then, over the past few weeks, we've been highlighting the incredible work of all the different Christmas toy appeals up and down the country. And we have to say a huge thank you to you, David, because you heard about this and you said, right, I'm going to give a hundred of my books. To put that in context, right at the beginning of lockdown, when we only thought lockdown was going to be like six weeks tops, but it sort of felt like, oh no, this is terrible. And I had in my office a stack of just under 100 books that have just been sitting in my office for years. And I suddenly thought, you know, I've been trying to get rid of these for, 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 yeah. for years upon years. So I gave them away. And in that context, that's the 100 books. This is, you, this you is why well, I me. say I... you're the new David Williams, Emma Kennedy. <laughs> <laughs> but it's because... 100 books no, John, is nothing. You didn't say that. You said Emma was the new David Williams because she was someone you worked with and detested. <laughs> <laughs> we, we should point out here that, that celebrities giving away books, if you want to look to Dolly Parton... She's given away a million. Uh, speaking of, you know, relatable celebrity anecdotes, I rather enjoyed Ronan Keating's reindeer story. Did you Did you mm. like this? When, when he said he'd phoned up a company oh, yes. to find out how yes. to get illuminated reindeer for his garden for Christmas. Yeah. And they'd, they'd, they'd sent some site surveyors round because they were confused. They'd misheard him or something because they thought he wanted real reindeer. And his anecdote was based on the fact that he has a, a, a house and a garden large enough to accommodate real reindeer. <laughs> and site surveyors who turn up to measure it for such and the, and the, and, the, and and his you know the the misunderstanding that had occurred on the telephone when he no merely wanted illuminated ones not real ones but they had a sheep and a donkey now you've got to tell the viewers about the reindeer story it's classic. I nearly ended up with real reindeer. I called this company to get light-up reindeer. They thought I meant real reindeer, and they were sending a handler to my garden to see if my garden was big enough for the reindeer. I didn't want to let them down and say, no, I don't want them. And I was I, like, this I, is the most relatable anecdote I could possibly... I loved it when Alex said, so did they turn up? And he went, 
No, I called them back a couple of days later. <laughs> Did you take it? Well, the real 24 hours later, I let them down gently. Oh, no. and said, oh, I know. They would have trampled the garden. Yeah, my wife would have killed me. And it would have been <laughs> so funny. <laughs> Brilliant. You, you need, if you're on television, really, to, to say to someone, we're going to have a signal that if the sort of story that doesn't go very well, I'm just going to hold my hand up and there is no more to it. <laughs> John Barrowman had exactly oh, the Barrowman. same problem on, oh. I think, Thursday, where he, he did a, a story... They said to him, so, uh, John, I presume in your nativity you played a, a brilliant wise man. Really strange question. John Barrowman is with us tonight. John, you must have been in a nativity or two in your time. Bet you made a brilliant wise man. Uh, well, I, I didn't make such a good wise man. I was uh, younger in nativity uh, scenes, but there was a Christmas where we were um, spending Christmas in Florida and uh, Scott, my husband, was asked to, of all the people in the family... Who oh, the rest of us would be like, yay, we'll be great wise men, da da da. They picked the grumpiest one, and Scott ended up being a, the grumpiest wise man. <laughs> and in trying to make it uh, a little more festive when he was up there by trying to do something to make it look like he was enjoying it, they started singing a hymn, you know, a little town of Bethlehem or what, what hymn they were. And he started doing dad dancing like this. I'm like, <laughs> don't! <laughs> <laughs> Oh my god! <laughs> I ended. That was just. But It was a vintage week for shit stories it that was, didn't have a resolution. But Alex had to feign interest off the back of that, didn't she? Off the Barrowman non-anecdote, she just yeah. had to go. Oh, brilliant! <laughs> yeah. What? Uh, a a classic story. <laughs> I would say one thing we haven't talked about, which we should, is the actual duet between Gary Barlow and Ronan Keating. I mean, I, I think of them as like Israel and Palestine, you know, the, the two sort of diametrically opposed performers. I think, I think Alex set it up sort of saying, is there any chance that we could be cheeky and you could treat us to a festive song? So shall we finish where we started? What would be lovely? And I know I'm putting you on the spot, but the, and it's live tell, so what, you what, can't what, really what, say no. What? But could you do something festive for us? Oh, you do, we... uh, oh no! Oh God! Oh no! And they wheeled oh, in the yes, piano. Oh yes, it was it the, the faux. Oh, they hadn't practiced. Yeah, yeah and it was yeah, a yeah. surprise. I... For, for me, it was all about Keating just thumping that little <laughs> tiny uh, like keyboard like, like a toddler punching ham. <laughs> That's that's all that was. But all we got from that, so you can imagine the wrangling behind the scenes of this sort of stuff, right? So you've got Gary mm. Barlow, you know, Israel. You've got Keating, <laughs> Palestine. And someone said, OK, can you do... You did a Zoom thing back in lockdown, but could you do a little Christmas song together? Now, Barlow, out of the two of them, Barlow, notable musician, right? Multi-instrumentalist and all Yeah, can play right. the piano. Can play yeah. the piano, right? Keating... He can sing, I guess. Right, but he presumably can't play the piano. So, A, you're right, Emma. Why give him a tiny child's Bon Tempe keyboard to pretend? But it doesn't work. When Gary Barlow is playing one over here and <laughs> pretending that he's... Play, I don't... Who's, well, no, was that no, Keating's no, idea? Or, the, again, a director having a joke? The, oh, it the must be a director. The beautiful thing was that for half of it, Keating doesn't even touch it. And then, <laughs> and then there is this look of death in his eyes where he suddenly thinks, oh, no, wait, I need to be looking as if I'm playing <laughs> that's, this. That's the funny thing, is that he didn't play it for the first no. half and go, this is pointless. No. He didn't play it for the first half and then thought, shit, I've not been playing my fake keyboard. Yeah. Well, there wasn't anything specifically wrong with what they were doing, but it just wasn't very nice. <laughs> it was a really weird... Round yon virgin mother and child Oh 
tender and The idea is it's like a Christmas truce, like 1914 in the trenches, and you know the the take that and the and the boys' own have finally come together, put their differences aside mm-hmm. for this Christmas carol. But having the two of them do this thing, it was it was just not nice. <laughs> it was, I suppose if you watch the troops in the trenches, you might have said that wasn't a great game of football. <laughs> you know, I like the I like the idea behind it, but the game itself was scrappy. And it was just weird that they came together having sold all those records. And you went, I can see now why Barlow is so not keen to have Ronan Keating on his album. Because something about the two of them just did I, not connect oh, at all. I've never enjoyed Ronan's singing voice. To, to me, he, he's always sounded like Fozzie Bear with auto-tune. <laughs> that's, that's sort of what he's like for me. <laughs> there were some lovely moments as well where he began slightly noodling and they could see them just staring daggers at one they, another. Oh, they hate it each was other. A real Really weird, sort of like like a David Attenborough thing of you know two weird animals going up against each other in a in a what's it yeah. elevating competition yeah. where they're all swelling up. Oh, it just oh, well, and then it, of course really you did. know Barlow's got his Christmas album out, which is what he was plugging, and and Ronan Keating hasn't got a Christmas album out, which he must hate that but it's all right because he's got other Christmas things so they said but you've he, he's like, oh yeah I'm on uh, loads of stuff well, hang on this one has spread himself like not tweed through Christmas I, I, yeah I'm, he- I'm hedging my bets this year I'm on a lot of different songs I'm on the Keith Lemon Do They Know It's Christmas Time the celeb edition it's, it's fab um, oh that looks good I've got my own single out called The One with Nina Nesbitt. Um, First thing he listed that he has out at the moment is the Keith Lemon single and you can yeah. see Barlow going have you? Have you really? Yeah. Well, Correct. Gary Barlow went, oh, that sounds fun. <laughs> like that real, oh, dripping off it, dripping. <laughs> it was funny, actually, them all talking again with that with that change in what's happened in the three days since that show went out. What They're all talking about who's going to be number one at Christmas. And they were talking, I think, at, at the time this show went out, they were saying, here are the runners and riders, and you had Lad Baby, who are going for their third consecutive number one, which would tie the Beatles record that is as much as anything in 2020 I sort of go that sort of absolutely would top this year wouldn't it that we're no longer the country of the Beatles we're the country of Lad Baby who are doing a song called Don't Stop Me Eating yeah based on the, uh, the song forgotten, by Journey and they didn't explain who or what Lad Baby were so when they started talking about Lad Baby I'm like what is a what is Lad Baby and only then when they showed a clip from their Don't Stop Eating song did yeah. I vaguely remember that sausage roll thing from a couple of years yeah, ago. Yeah, every know, year. Yeah. But what's more exciting is since that show was recorded and their chat about the number one, at the moment, the one that's looking like it could knock Lad Baby off the, the top position is actually the, the song uh, Boris Johnson is a fucking cunt oh, yes. by the cunts. Yes, which is <laughs> number two. I mean, yeah. what a wonderful piece if yeah. they'd have had to do that yeah. on the one oh. show. Wouldn't well, it, you know, be it brilliant. is the BBC. Wouldn't it be brilliant if that gets to number one, if it was a, a, a constitutional requirement that the Queen had to announce it in her Queen's speech? <laughs> Wouldn't that be amazing? And now, oh. finally, the now the Christmas number one is Boris Johnson's account by the cunts. 
<laughs> I like I like that idea as much as anything that the Queen would be doing the number one. Yeah. Yeah, I think we need to change our constitution. It needs to be written into law that the Queen has to announce it. Yes. The Queen's speech every year, yeah. she has to open with the words, all right, pop it. <laughs> yes. yes. Let the campaign start here. Yeah, please. Have you ever met Alex Jones, John? No, no, I never but have. Would you love no. to? Of course her. I would. Mm. Do you know her? No, I've met oh. her once, and I have to say she was very, very lovely. I, I bet she was. She, uh, she was me as a lovely. lovely lady. Yeah. I went out for a drink with Alex Jones many, many moons ago, and she was brilliant fun. In a romantic context? No, 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 no. It was through friends, and we were all out together, and everything. She, she would not remember this. It sounds like I'm lying, which is mad. But she was. Before you a go really, on, Mark, really does this laugh. story end in an anecdote of any kind? Is no, it... I'm holding my hand up right now, John. <laughs> <laughs> that is it. <laughs> Wouldn't it be weird if I was actually married to her and I did this in secret <laughs> under a fake Can you name? She didn't know you were doing this, and then the, someone the said, "Worst Alex, gaslighter Alex, in the history of humanity." Have, have, have you have you heard what Mark's been doing? <laughs> no, what has he been doing? <laughs> Alex, love, Alex, darling, I'm just up upstairs to look at Pornhub. Okay, <laughs> be about an hour. What? What is an unpopular podcast? <laughs> <laughs> And right there, we'll bring this 2020 festive special of everyone's favourite podcast dedicated to analysing TV's The One Show to a Christmas close. We'll be back with a new series in 2021, unless, of course, The One Show has died of the Covid's, having caught a new strain of bland tedium. Yes, it's been quite the year, hasn't it? What with all the you-know-watery. But it's reassuring to note that whatever apocalypse awaits the human race in 2021, The One Show will survive like a cockroach. But while you're pondering that, also ponder this and ponder it well. When you look at the television to look at the one show, the one show also looks back into you. Goodbye and Merry Christmas. Oh, and Mark, don't um, forget there's the the one show's Christmas theme tune, uh, not its normal one, which I have uh, from last year if you don't. um, But I think they used it on the programmes, so you probably grab it from there. Anyway, have fun. Merry Christmas. Thank you. Bye. Television history is contained within the box of delights. It was happening in front of us. Incredible. In our living rooms. It was amazing. Guests pick their favourite television moment and tell us why they love it. And is this the episode where Daisy's just been for the interview at the Women's Magazine? Flaps. That's it, Flaps. Yeah. Named one of Radio Time's best podcasts of the year. I don't understand people who don't see the joy in drawing the curtains, a mug of hot chocolate and something nice on TV. Like, what could be nicer than that? Than having a snuggle. Exactly. Nostalgia in bite-sized chunks. Box of delights from Great Big Owl. Even on a budget, quality is non-negotiable. That's why Quince is the place to score high-end essentials at 50 to 80% less than similar brands. Get your hands on buttery soft cashmere sweaters from just 60 bucks, Italian leather jackets, and so much more. And the best part about Quince? They exclusively partner with factories committed to safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. Elevate your style without the elevated price tag with Quince. 
Go to quince.com slash upgrade for free shipping and 365-day returns. Hi, I'm Daniel, founder of Pretty Litter. Did you know cats tend to hide symptoms of sickness and pain? I learned this the hard way after losing my cat, Gingy. So I created Pretty Litter, a health monitoring litter that helps detect early signs of illness by changing colors, saving you money and potentially your cat's life. Pretty Litter is veterinary and developed, and it's the easiest way to keep tabs on your fur baby's health right at home. Go to prettylitter.com and use code ACAST for 20% off your first order and a free cat toy. Terms and conditions apply. See site for details. When it comes to your finances, you think you've done it all. You've saved, you've researched, and you've invested all that you can. Now it's time to take those investments to the next level by using the brand behind every great investor, Yahoo Finance. As America's number one finance destination, Yahoo Finance has everything you need, whether you're a seasoned trader or just dipping your toes into the market. Join the millions of investors who trust Yahoo Finance to guide them on their financial journey. For comprehensive financial news and analysis, visit yahoofinance.com, the number one financial destination, yahoofinance.com.